0: We're uh, working our way through the book of Haggai, and it's an interesting book to me. Um, It is a book that I had not spent a lot of time studying in the past, and and so I've kind of enjoyed learning a bit more about it. I'm going to be speaking tonight on Haggai chapter 2 starting with verse 10 through verse 19. Haggai, Haggai 2, 10 through 19. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, (laughs) olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, So it is with the people, this people and the nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of twenty measures, there were only ten. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were only twenty. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Water is really good. <clears throat> it's purified water. It says right on the label. It's pure, pure water. As many of you know I'm married to a nurse. One of the benefits of being married to a nurse is you can get really cool medical equipment like urine cups, <laughs> oh urine samples. That's yellow, all right. I take a little bit of this. If I were to put this water in this urine sample. Anybody excited to drink it? Probably not. Because the pure water isn't going to make this. Very, very tasty. But what happens if I just kind of put a little of this, just a little touch? Does that water make the urine sample pure? No, not really. Apple juice is really good. Um, That is the first and last time you will ever see me drink out of a urine sample cup. (laughs) I didn't ask. Maybe I should have asked. Clean doesn't make unclean clean. Unclean makes clean unclean. When sin comes into us, when we do that which we are not to do, when we disobey God, we are unclean. And anything that we do, anything that we offer, anything that we say, I'm going to give back to God, any of that is unclean. The Israelites have come, and they're going to rebuild the temple. They're going to rebuild the temple, and they're going to make it beautiful. and And they've started. We're about two months later than when um, uh, Eric was talking last week. So there, there, there's been this little process of starting, right? We're 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 making some progress. We're laying another foundation. It's not like the old one. The old temple but but we're creating this this uh, um, the start the the problem is that they have not been the people have not been obedient, but as they begin, as they take these first steps towards obedience, as they As they begin this process of returning to God, God blesses them. Now, it's not because they suddenly got better. It's not because they suddenly said, okay, we are really good now. You can't do that. You can't save yourself. You can't make yourself better. All of us try that, right? I'm going to get rid of my sin, and I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to stop doing the thing that I shouldn't do. Stop overeating. Stop looking at porn. I'm going to stop doing the uh, uh, mistreating my wife or my husband. I'm I'm, going to I'm going to stop ignoring my children. I'm going to do it. Do the right thing. And we feel empowered for a few moments. It's like New Year's resolutions. Yep, I'm gonna do this thing. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. Now I've got it. Finally, I'm on the right path. And we kind of look at where we're started, and uh, we—I mean—we're barely building a foundation. You know, it's not—it's not like there's much going on here. You can't save yourself. You can't build the temple. You can't bring on the presence of God. Because everything that you are is unclean, and everything that you offer is unclean. The call of God is for us to be holy. Scripture says, be holy as I am holy. The invitation is to be holy, and holy means to be set apart and righteous. That is without sin. That's what we're called to be. Holiness is a non-communicable dis- dis-ease. Okay. Yeah. It'll take a while. Holiness is a non-communicable dis By that I mean you don't get holiness by touching holy things. I, I often find it interesting that people go well, well Rod like if you pray for me then then it'll be okay and this is usually from people who don't know me well and and they think that I'm a holy person and that I have some special connection and if I just got close to somebody with special connection and I just became spiritual and 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 touched spiritual people then maybe That will kind of wear off, and and I'll get a little bit of spirituality myself, and I'll get a little closer to God. It's not how holiness works. Our holiness is not possible, it's not going to happen. Holiness is a non communicable. Dis ease. Holiness makes us uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's, holiness calls us to a whole different way of thinking and being. It doesn't. It doesn't allow us to continue as though um, it is always uh, like it's always been. It disrupts our ease. It 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 attacks our comfort zone. It takes away what makes us comfortable. Holiness is a call from God to be righteous and set apart before him. Most of us spend a lot of time a very transactional relationship with God. We make our little vows. God, if you would just help me with this, then I'll do X, Y, or Z. I've made those kind of vows, I've made those kinds of promises. We make our vows and we say, God, if you would just give me what I need here, then I'll serve you with my whole life. When I first heard about little Miriam, that's kind of what I want to do, right? if you would just save miriam's life i'll do something i'll do whatever you ask of me i'll do something else i'll give back we make those kinds of vows it's a temptation every single time any of you who are parents know that longing when your parent is when your child is sick to say god i would just i'll take the flu 3 times as bad if you just take it away from them right? Or am I the only parent who ever felt that way, right? Just give it to me a lot worse. It'll be fine. I can handle it. But they can't. They, they just can't. So, so much of that is transaction. And we do that when it comes to obedience. God, I will obey you as long as I get what I need and we decide what it is we need. I need a spouse. I, 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 I need um, a good job. I, I need um, a great relationship with with my parents. I, I, I need... And you fill in the blank. And I'll do what you want so that... I can get what I want. That's transactional. That's a transaction. That's like going to the store. I'll obey. I'll get what I want. We're even. Right, God? Good to go. It's not how God works. Obedience isn't something you can use as a bargaining chip with God. Obedience is what he requires of you. You will obey me. And we're busy making the bargains, right? We're always bargaining with God. We do that all the time. If you do this, I'll do this. If you keep me safe, then I'll I'll do this. I'll 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 go to the village and I'll worship as as long as you don't mess with this you know pornography issue I have. I'll I'll, I'll go do um, what you want me to do. I'll I'll help out with kid vespers because Lord knows. And but but the condition is that you have to take care of my. Uh, not having enough money in my bank accounts right we we even if we're not specific that way, that's how our brains are wired that's how we think. we make these bargains with God, and then we go about keeping our end of the bargain, right I make my little bargain with God, and then I go about keeping my end of the bargain. I do that all the time i i say okay i'm i' I'm, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And if you ask me to go to Tucson and plant a church, then I'm going to do that. And then you owe me. Because I've been faithful. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I've been obedient. I've been doing what I promised you I would do. So now you owe me. Where's the fruit? Where's the good stuff? Where's the $150,000 salary and and a car and... And a nice house in the foothills. Where, where's my reward? After all, I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What do you mean I'm going to get paid twelve grand a year or whatever it is we get paid? What, what is it I'm going to, what are you talking about? I, I, I only get, uh, um, I have to depend on my wife's salary. What, 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 what's the deal here? God, I, I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm obedient. God, you owe me now. Come through. In this passage, Haggai says, give careful thought. Do you remember how it was before you laid one stone on top of another? Do you you remember what it was like? worked really hard, and you didn't get what you wanted. There was never enough. Notice that God never gives you nothing. The beautiful part of God's grace is he allows you to survive all the time. Right? He doesn't take you, he doesn't doesn't torture you, punish you. He he gives you uh, something. The beautiful grace of God is such that he gives you something. There's a temptation here for me to say, right. So God's given me uh, something, right? I mean, I have a nice house and well-employed wife, and we have good things. We go on nice vacations. We've got a couple of cars. we got nice TV. We've we got to eat whenever we want. We've got food on the table. Yeah, God's pretty good. But if I were more obedient, maybe if I did more of what he wanted, then maybe God would give me more. Maybe I'd get a little more. If I were the faithful, a little more faithful in some things, then then maybe I would get what I really, really want. I want. Position. I want status. I want money. I want more time. I want more energy. I want whatever it is. I want. If I just got. If I if I just paid a little more attention. So this kind of, kind of this quid pro quo thing. God, I'm going to give you some more now. So now you owe me some more, right? We're good. Got it, God. When hey, guy throughout this book, keeps saying, now give careful thought. Give careful thought to the way you live your life. Give careful thought to the to what you actually do and what you think about while you're doing it. Right? Give careful thought to that stuff. Are you more excited about hearing the Word of God, reading Scripture, or are you more excited about getting a Christmas bonus?" Which gets you revved up? The fact that you're part of a community that surrounds and prays for a little girl or, or the fact that you kind of got what you wanted? That you got something you needed? Is it really about you or is it about others? Give careful thought. Think about deep inside your feeling like what what you're thinking when when you obey, when you do even what it is that God wants you to do. God is generous. He is good to you. One of the things that I often see as I follow villagers on online, as I meet with them, as I hang out with them, as I read their posts on Facebook, as I think about them, and as I uh, am part of their lives. It's just how if I just had a little more, if I just had a, a little bit better marriage, if I if I just had a little more money if I, if I just had a little bit better job if, if things were just a, a, a little uh, calmer and I wasn't if I a little less anxiety if I, just just a bit more of something that somehow happiness is out there that that I can get what I then then I'll be content then it'll be okay then then there's something out there. If I could just have that, whatever that is, because it's different for every one of us, if I just had that, then, then and only then would everything be okay. We're waiting for God's blessing. We bargain with God for his blessing. We're saying, God bless us. Do you think that that billion $1.4 $1.4 billion lottery had anything to do with anything other than I want what I want. If I just won that billion, $1.4 billion, do you know what the good I could do with that? That's how we start, right? I mean, yeah, i buy myself a nice house, well, and some family members' nice houses and, well, cars and, you know, some stuff. And then, well, yeah, then I'd have to... Um, take care of the village, I'd have to tithe and, um, and help them out, and, and there's a lot of mission causes and so forth that, that, like we start thinking how we could spend the money, right? Uh, it, it would be so cool, because I'm like a really good person, and I would do really good things with that. So God should give it to me. He should let me find a ticket, and, and then I could cash it in, and then life would be grand. Yeah, that's the big deal. But we are in constant pursuit of God's blessing. We've already defined what blessing looks like in every area of our life. When my dad died, I thought that God might hate me. I thought that he didn't do good things for me. He did good things for other people, but he didn't do good things for me. Yeah, I felt Jesus' presence that night. And I felt him holding me, but after that, it kind of went away. And... I defined what God had to do to bless me. God sent me Pete Russ, who was like a dad to me. <laughs> that guy came over to our house every Saturday, taught me things like how to fix a car and how to change oil and how to, you know, fix the sink. By the way, I fixed my sink this week when it was broken. I just want you to know. Um, <laughs> I'm He... God sent me a dad. But I didn't want that dad. I defined the blessing that I should have. I wanted my dad. And if I didn't get my dad, then anything that God offered wasn't good. It wasn't right. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. We define what the blessing has to be. We do it all the time. The only way I'm going to be content is if God gives me what I want the way I want it, when I want it, in the time frame that I want. By the way, God never works in your time frame, just so you know. Matter of fact, if you're really desperate about your time frame, God is in heaven smiling and going, watch this, right? And and it's not torment. It's not because he torments you. It's because he loves you. He does not just rain down his blessing on you the way that you think it has to be rained down. This is so beautiful in this passage. He says, "Give careful thought. Is there any seed left in the barn? See, they take this tiny little step of initial obedience. They start putting a couple rocks on each other to make... A foundation on top of a foundation. They're they're doing just a little tiny bit. They've turned ever so slightly to God. And God says, have you you noticed there's no seed in the barn? No seed in the barn. What, What are you talking about, God? Because that initial turning is saying, God, I've invested, I'm invested in your goodness. I will depend on you, I will obey you, I will trust you. God reminds them till now the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne any fruit. Because we're so anxious, right? Yeah, I, I I I need what I need now. God thing. Rod, have I ever not taken care of you? You obviously haven't missed any meals. You know, you're still living in the house. You must be making payments. Somehow, I've taken care of you. Now, I didn't take care of you how you thought I should. You didn't, I didn't take care of you the way that you think I should take care of you. The way you think is a normal way for people to be shown love And I have blessed you. This turning to God by the Israelites says God, and God says, from this day on, I will bless you. Well, yeah, God, but like um, there's no fruit on the trees. Hello? Hello? You know, we're not getting any olive oil here. Hello. And God's saying, it was two months. Right? But that's how we are. Two months ago, they started putting rocks on top of rocks. And now we're going, so see how faithful I am? You owe me, God. Give me my stuff. I want some fruit. Need some pomegranates. I don't know why, because I don't like pomegranates, but, but we need pomegranates. We need some, some grapes. We need some olive oil. Hello. We've been working hard here. Every time we make our turn to God, we think, ah, I've made three strides, so God, you owe me big time. <laughs> God says no. God says there's no seed left in the barn because it's planted. But it takes a long time for seed to get planted, and get watered, and fertilized, and, and then there's this germination thing. You know, our scientists can tell us how all that works, and then a little shoot comes up, and and then and then there's a little more, and then there's some twigs, and and then you know. After 20 years, there's a little fruit. We're going, no, 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 God, you don't understand. I made the first step. I took an effort. I, I've made an effort. You owe me. God says, no. I promise you I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. Whenever God says anything, it is a promise. It's a sure thing. You can bet on it, count on it, hold it to be true. God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. That's not like a guess. That's not like a, oh, maybe. That's like a sure thing. When God says, from this day on, I will bless you, he's saying, I will bless you. Now, you don't get to define what the blessing looks like. You don't get to define how it pours out. You don't, get to, you don't get any say in it at all other than that I love you and I will take care of you and provide for you and bless you in the way that I see fit. And ultimately, the blessing of God is not here. Ultimately, the blessing of God, life itself, is with him eternally through today, tomorrow, through all eternity. That's what the blessing is. If you don't get to see it now, you'll see it then. If you don't get to see what you think you should have now, you'll see it then. My dad is experiencing the beautiful blessings of God in ways I cannot imagine. And when I prayed and cried out to God when I was 50-some years old, still mourning and grieving and still thinking God owed me, when I started pouring out my heart to him and I said, God, I, I don't understand why you took my dad in. He says, you didn't know. You couldn't know. You didn't know how your dad was suffering. You didn't know what was, what, was, how hard it was. You don't know anything about him. You loved him because you were a little kid and you loved your daddy. That's a beautiful thing. Kids should love their daddies. <clears throat> that's great. But I took your daddy, and I took him, and I held him, and I, and I love him, and I pour out blessings on him, and I provide for you. I provide for your mother, his widow. I provide for you, his children, because that's who I am. I pour out blessings on you, and you know what? He does he does I am a blessed man it's not always the way I thought it would be very seldom is it the way that I thought it would be Jesus calls us to himself He is the one uncontaminated one. He's the really pure living water. He is the one who takes us, our contamination, who we are, our sin, and he makes it go away. He gives us his pure life as a substitute for the life we've lived. Part of me that wants to bottle that up. (laughs) Hold on to it. Keep the lid on tight. But the truth is, can't bottle this stuff. You need the purity of Jesus. Everybody does. Everybody does. We need it poured out on us. The goodness of who Jesus is. We all need it. Can't live without it. Life is in him. In this life and in the next. Death doesn't frighten me. I know it's supposed to. But it stopped. Because I know the goodness of God. I hope you do too. I pray that you do. God has all the seeds out of the barn. It's all been planted. God's blessings are awaiting you in this life and the next. It's not just good stuff that's going to happen someday. It's good things that's going to happen now, and there are good things that are going to happen in the days ahead. But when you're going through hard times and scary times and bad times and tough times, and you think, really, where is the blessing? Turn to him because his presence makes it all comprehensible. It really does. Jesus and Jesus alone. He offers you His perfection. Accept it. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your offer. Thank you for your blessing poured out on us. Thank you for life itself. Father, help each of of us to consider our demands, our desires of how we should be blessed and what it has to look like and our requirements of you. And help us to rest in your goodness, that the seed is already planted and that fruit is being born, fruit that we can't yet see, can't yet know, but that we can begin to taste even in this life thank you for your love. Thank you that despite our sin, despite our contamination, you sent the uncontaminated one who was truly holy and who gives us his holiness and brings us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.